Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil, a podcast about Harry Potter and mental health. I'm your host, Madison Ford. So today's episode is especially magical for a couple of reasons. We spoke to Jacqueline Frank in our main interview about the many ways Harry Potter was there for her during a really difficult part of her life. Now, because this interview is extra magical, our muggle technology wasn't totally equipped to handle it. You'll notice the audio quality is a little shakier than usual, for which I apologize. That's just what happens when you try and mix the magic of Harry Potter and muggle technology. I do want to give a quick trigger warning. We talk about child abuse throughout this interview, and there is a mention of suicide. The timestamp for that is noted in the podcast description. Please take care of yourself while you're listening. So again, I do apologize for the audio issues in this interview. Hopefully it's not too bothersome. Here's my interview with Jacqueline. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everybody. Uh, Today we have Jacqueline Frank on the show. Jacqueline, thank you for being with us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Will you share some of the uh, any Harry Potter related information about yourself? Of course. <laughs> so I'm um, a Ravenclaw, um, yeah, like um, completely Ravenclaw house pride. So like we're the smart ones, we're the coolest ones, definitely. <laughs> and, um, and unfortunately, we never get the right merch. That that's that's sad because there's yes. always a Raven on the merch. I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> My overmorning house is Pupuchi. And I really like the combination because I feel like it makes the best teaching combination, like Pupuchi representing the heart and the idea of, of like healing and being attracted to wisdom and um, education and knowledge. I think I like the combination because I think that's what makes a good teacher. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, and you're... <laughs> idea of the combination that's super awesome yeah maybe that's just my particular interpretation because that's what I want it to be but (laughs) (laughs) there's merit there you know it's like Dumbledore said you there's some choice involved in where we get sorted so personal opinion is important yeah it is (laughs) um so uh can you talk to us about how you first discovered the Harry Potter series yeah I, I I think I was in fifth or sixth grade, so 11 or 12, when my friends started reading Harry Potter and and I wasn't into it at all. Um, for me, it was like just a weird trend and um, it was like fantasy. I don't want to do fantasy. Fantasy is for kids, right? So I wasn't mm-hmm. a kid anymore, so I wasn't supposed to read it. But I don't know. I think at some point peer pressure hit me and I asked my parents to give me the books for Christmas and that's when I started reading them, uh, realizing that it was nothing that I expected and completely getting into it and finishing the books way too fast and feeling heartbroken every time I finished the book and it was just around the time when the fourth one was already out and I had to wait for the fifth one to come out and it was quite a long time. And, um, yeah, I, I talked to my friends about it a lot. And I had two friends that were really into it. And 
every morning when we would go to school, we would decide who was one Hermione and Harry for the rest of the day. And uh, <laughs> we were like in character a little bit and in break times we would like um, play Exploding Snap, like not actually playing something, but like pretending to play and all these things. <laughs> like, uh, uh, I was almost always Hermione and the other ones were um, deciding whether who, who was one and who was Harry and then I was the, the nerd for the day which kind of helped with my grades I guess yeah I always had to to take notes even though the teacher didn't tell us to take notes which was kind of weird for everyone else but for us it was completely fun <laughs> <laughs> <That's amazing. laughs> yeah. yeah it was so nerdy <laughs> but yeah yeah, you're in yeah. the right place. <laughs> I, I agree, yeah. <laughs> that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, today we're talking about what you sent in in your submission. Um, so you talked about you kind of grew up with a narcissistic mother. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, that was, I mean, I just, I just said it like that because uh, I know, but it's not like she's ever been diagnosed with it. But um, my mother is so obviously a narcissist that I mean, she should, she could, her picture could be inside the encyclopedia next to narcissism. So she's wow. really like um, an obvious one. At, at least if you actually know her, she's like a, a little bit of a covert narcissist that doesn't come on too strong, but after a while you notice it. So. Growing up for me, that meant that she was, on the one hand, an abusive mother, but on the other hand, she always had to pretend on the outside to be perfect. And since she was kind of convincing, as narcissists usually are, people would buy it. People would tell me that I have like the coolest mom on earth and I everybody looked at me and I just had to agree with them and um, mm. it's just like um, she never actually cared about what I do unless she could brag with it like look at me that's my daughter and she gets the best grades and this is like the only thing that she could ever the only kind of validation that I could ever get from her was like if she could brag with it <laughs> and mm. um, yeah yeah that actually sucked a lot and um, it also means meant that she she wanted everything from me like everything she couldn't get anywhere else she wanted from me I had to be her therapist her mother her you know, her boxing bag whenever that was necessary and also maybe a little bit the uh, substitution of her husband or other child that wasn't there and that meant that I always had to do what she wanted and I always had to react the way that she needed it and um, mm -hmm. I just had to figure out like a survival plan to give her as much as she needed on the one hand and also not dying on the inside for myself and um, yeah it's, it's difficult to cut that short <laughs> it's difficult to explain I think everyone who, who knows a narcissist kind of knows what I'm talking about. The I think in a nutshell, it means that you cannot be yourself. You're not allowed to be yourself because they expect you to play certain roles and they want you to to 
fulfill their expectations of you all the time and you in a way you have to do it because otherwise the consequences are too bad so yeah. in a nutshell that's it thank you for sharing i know that's kind of tough to you know think through yeah. and think about um it makes sense then in your submission you mentioned that um your own home it kind of felt like living in a prison and that uh i'm wondering can you go into detail kind of what that means to you yeah well mostly it means that i couldn't i couldn't say what i was thinking i wasn't allowed to have an opinion oh well i was allowed to have an opinion just not my own one mm -hmm. and um i also quite often i I wasn't allowed to go out, which is difficult to realize actually because it wasn't, with narcissists, nothing is ever obvious. You always have to live between the lines and they, they won't tell you you're not allowed to go out. They will emotionally control you so that you don't go out, mm -hmm. like pressuring you, believing that something bad will happen to them if you go out or that you it means that you don't love them if you go out like they do everything to control you to do what you want including make i don't know losing friends losing boyfriends um losing contact to family members um because they always get what they want and that feels like a prison even though from the outside it doesn't look like everyone could just come up and say why didn't you just go out it's not like i was literally in the cupboard under the stairs with the door shut and the key thrown away but it felt like it yeah and my, my world felt exactly that small and yeah that's that's why i said it that's what i meant that why i could relate to it so much I, it took me a long time to understand why, but I felt so close to Harry's situation because I suffered the same way he did. Although J.K. Rowling never went that much into detail how much suffering it was, um, which maybe I appreciate on the one hand, but on the other hand, it, it seems almost unrealistic that he seemed to go out from the Dursleys without any kind of trauma yeah which is not possible i think um the only kind of trauma that always seems to come up with him is his parents death yeah. but um death but um i think that having to live with the dirties for a decade must have been so bad um, yeah but maybe for him not having parents who loved him he would that would make it a somehow better. I think that is why his trauma always comes back to their death. Because if they had been alive, it would have been so much better. For me, it was different. My parents were alive, mostly, um, most of the time at least, but they were the abusers. Like they were Aunt Petunia and Mr. Dursley. They were, they were them by themselves. And, um, so, like, having some kind of a home, but not feeling at home, feeling in a prison instead of a home, that is what I could relate to. 
being forced to do things you don't want to and also being forced to to look different than you want to like the little things like not being allowed to wear the clothes you want to wear these were the kind of small things that always I, I could always relate to because they quite often they almost felt sadistically and this is what I see my mother as I see my mother as a sadist I think she really enjoyed my suffering a lot um, and when they would not just give him old clothes but just dye them gray in some kind of pot or with the, like the worst kind that you could choose not to save money but probably just to to make him embarrassed those were the kind of things that I could really relate to because I think in, in some way or another this happened to me quite often and uh, also with, with clothes per se actually like being pressured into wearing things that I didn't want to and having to um, get the mockery of it like this, this, these were the little things that I could relate to or also the hair like being forced to cut your hair short all the time even though you don't want it to um, I didn't have the possibility to like my my subconscious didn't let my hair grow long right but I, I knew the feeling of I need to find ways to get around this like I didn't have magic but I I found ways to find myself even though nobody let me find myself I could I could really 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 um, relate to those short chapters when he was among the Dursleys and I always felt like huge relief whenever he went to Hogwarts. It was like I could escape with him just a little bit. Yes. Well, I'm so glad that you had the Harry Potter books to relate to that. I so am I. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like it would, you know, help not feel so alone and um I I know you mentioned it felt like a battle at home and can you talk to us what it was like to read them while you were in the middle of what felt like a battle it was perfect because no one knew um quite often my mother would my mother would all, almost see through me she since she was so controlling she actually did know almost everything about me and this was really difficult to, to get around that but with harry potter it was really easy she she knew about harry potter she knew it was a big thing for teens so it wasn't unusual for me to be into it it wasn't anything that she could think that it was something that was in any way related to her or my situation with her. So I could just leave them, be really into them, and she wouldn't notice that it had anything to do with her, which was really important. When I read it, um, I, I could literally forget everything for a while because it's so well written, we all know that, but also because it would show me a life that is actually worth living. It actually did save my life because I was so much into suicidal thinking at that time. And I think the story just, I mean, in, in, on the one hand, it is fantasy, sure, but on the other hand, it also does show you what 
a good life looks like, what real love looks like, and what is it like when people do not just tell you that they love you, but they actually do. People who are able to love, who are capable of love, and this actually helped me a lot. This showed me that there is a way that there is a comfort, and that I just had to hold on until I could escape. I just had to hold on a little longer than Harry had to, but I knew that there was at some point the chance for me to, to get away. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's so, so powerful. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't really know what to say, except that I'm just so glad that you had that for you in such a difficult moment. Um, yeah. So I know that um, Harry Potter is capable of helping us, you know, step forward and make changes in our lives. And you mentioned that they kind of helped you learn to choose your own home. Um, can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Um, well, it's, in Harry Potter, it's so much about choice, right? It's, and it comes up so many times. And it's tricky because quite often it looks like it's just about your abilities. Just like in our world, we get grades for what we can do, what we can show people what we can do. It seems like it's all about our abilities. And in Hogwarts as well, you get the, the hat on and it tells you where to go. And then there's like at the end of the second book, this wonderful quote by Dumbledore when he says that it's our choices that make up who we are, not our abilities, right? This is quoted so many times for good reason. I think I love this quote. Um, and it shows us the power and the strength that we actually have, that we never have to live with the status quo. We, we can do, actually can do what is good for us and what is best for us including making the choice of who to live with, which is basically what Harry had done. I don't think he had any other reason to go to Gryffindor besides Guam and Hermione that he's already met and felt comfortable with. I mean, sure, Hagrid had told him some bad things about Slytherin, but he didn't have enough time to actually comprehend what that would have meant for him. The only reason to go to Gryffindor were those people that he already met. And that was a good choice for him because he needed that more than other people. Coming from a home that hates you, that doesn't want to have anything to do with you, that despises who you actually are, which is what they are doing. They despise him for being magical. That is just that's more than just not liking the person, right? And he, more than anyone, needed a home with people that give him some kind of stability. And mostly Ron and Hermione are exactly that for him. And of course, other characters are important in that area too. Dumbledore, definitely Sirius Lupin. But this close friendship is, I think, what he really needed. And and a friend who stays with him over Christmas, even though he has a home to go to. And 
having a place where you don't have to be afraid all the time. And for me, knowing that a place like this existed, not, not speaking of hot electricity, but always reading this and always being reminded that it is possible to go somewhere and to decide to go somewhere where you are among people who aren't a danger to you, where you are among people that support you instead of harming you. This is something that had to sink into my head really slowly. When you grow up like that, you get really defensive. It almost makes you incapable of having friends because you are like a little paranoid almost because you only know people harming you. You only know people um, fighting against you. Accepting that this can be different is really difficult to learn. And I think that um, reading Harry Potter just also helped me understand that. That it is something that you can put your trust in without being afraid that you will have to somebody will screw you over. Because this is what always happened with my mother whenever I gave her something or was trying to get something for, from her, it would definitely screw me over. So I couldn't trust her at all. And being with it, you can like consciously make the choice. I want this I want to be among these people in this space and it can actually come out good. This was important for me. Yes, absolutely. What a uh, what a wonderful way to look at that quote, that Dumbledore quote. Mm. Um, I love uh, it. <laughs> yes, it's <laughs> wonderful, and I'm always uh, amazed at how many different ways these important quotes can weave into our lives and help us, uh, yeah, stand stronger and you know make choices for ourselves. Mm. Um, and so that kind of ties into um, the next question, what we were just talking about, um, that the book kind of helped show you that it was okay to break up with your family. And uh, curious to know uh, what that was like a little bit. Yeah, that part was a tricky one because the actually I think Harry Potter does have very conservative views of family and your responsible your responsibility towards your family mm-hmm. um, because yeah Dumbledore does expect Petunia to just take care of Harry I think mm-hmm. that that shows a very conservative view of family like this is kind of your blood so you have to it's your responsibility and you just have to deal with that whether you want to or not and Harry has also kind of been sent back with the same argument right it's the only family you have right just go back there Mm -hmm. Uh, he hasn't been told that it was also a little bit of his his mother's magic he hasn't been told that and this this magic of his mother is also like it also has some of these conservative views of family like blood means something I don't mm-hmm. want to believe that blood means anything I want to believe that it's about the choices that we make and blood doesn't have anything to do with it 
because I have to believe that. Otherwise, I go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, for me, this is a necessity. Um, but in, in some ways, he, he was allowed to choose his own home. And that mostly, I think, was the borough for him, the Weasleys. They, I think they were more his substitute home than Hogwarts was and more than Sirius was or ever could have been. Um, mm-hmm. I, I very much agree with, with Molly's views of Sirius, that he wasn't as, as serious <laughs> as, yeah. as you would expect him to be or as <laughs> responsible. And I, I think that at some point, I think sooner or later, Harry would have been disappointed with him. But the Weasleys were really there for him. And it was this place that he could just go to. And, and I don't know, you cannot imagine how many times I wished for someone to show up at my window, just like Fred and George and one, to just get me out of there. And um, at the end of the day, nobody would come to just get me out of there. But I realized that was okay to do that. It was okay to just jump out and leave, even though they try to hold you back, even though they are telling you to stay and for for no apparent reason, by the way. I never understood why the Dursleys wouldn't just let them go. Like, go and be ready. And then he could just go there and they wouldn't expect him to do anything else than their own children. They just treated him like his own. And that was important for me because even though this whole concept around the Dursley family, that is the only place where you save, yes, it's there on the one hand, but on the other hand, he's always been safe with the Weasleys because they have just taken such good care of him. He was just safe there. And Dumbledore didn't question it. He could have done something about it. Right? He could have gone or sent someone to go to the borough and tell Harry to go back because he just had to. He could have forced him to, but he didn't. He let him choose his home and he respected that. And I think that was important for me, yeah. definitely. Like you said, there's that uh, the kind of theme of the importance of blood, but it's nice that the the borough and the Weasleys are there to balance that out a little bit and show you, yeah, that's where Harry truly felt like he was among family. Yeah. Yeah, and Um, sooner or later he does join this family, right? And that was his choice. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Between the Weasleys and Harry and Hermione, Dumbledore, uh, there are a lot of, you know, people to identify with you know as friends or um caregivers and you mentioned that it really felt that way for you like you had real friends to understand you and adults to give you advice in the potter books and curious which characters do you feel like were really there for you yeah um i've always felt more close to hermione than to harry um, even though the family background was always very close to mine, but um, I don't know, when they were in the fourth book and she came up with at P-E-W, so uh-huh. how, how do you spit, uh, pronounce it in English? Do you actually pronounce it spill? 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how. Yeah. But I read it in German back then, and it was alpha. It was weird. It's totally different. Got lost in the translation. The joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So um, when when she started that, I I felt like the same urge. I mean, how can people just let it be that way? Why why don't they just react to this obvious injustice that is there, right? And I was uh, I was always incredibly sensitive to any kind of injustice because I've experienced so much injustice at home. Um, it um, it was always kind of weird. I was always so angry with the topic of racism, even though I'm completely white and non were not exposed to that kind of discrimination. But it always felt so crazy to me that it still existed as a problem. Mm-hmm. Hermione basically had this, the same realization with the house. Like, how can this, this society that is on the one hand so advanced, that can basically do everything with a slip of a wand, how can they let this injustice still happen? It is so unnecessary. They can be lazy enough with their wands. <laughs> they don't need ourselves on top of that. Um, <laughs> and I, I also felt so close to her because nobody took her seriously. Uh, and it took Ron and Harry so long to realize this kind of injustice. And they were so, like, like people in puberty are so awesome, like, so involved with, this, with themselves and their own problems that they don't care about anything else. And I really like that Hermione did care about all the things that I would care about and nobody would hear me out on when I was getting angry in my real life, right? And mm-hmm. I think that um, that Joe Walling does it really great, putting in like this analogies for injustices in our society that you can get really angry about and then later on realize the connections. And... Um, it it really this this really suited me a lot and I I was really glad about Hermione also being a little bit alone with that because it showed me that that was normal and that that it doesn't mean that I'm the crazy one it just means that I'm the first one to realize yeah yeah that's a great way to think about that yeah and with the adults I felt really close to Lupin and that's I think it it has something to do with the Dementors that I wanted to talk about as well but Mm -hmm. Lupin he just had this really great way of encouraging Harry and seeing the best in him and he was obviously among the marauders. He was like the only reasonable one, right? The only, <laughs> the only one that I would have actually wanted to be friends with would have been Lupin. And I think I wondered why is he friends with these guys, right? There's no, no obvious reason for it, except for them accepting him who he is. And he, 
being the best in her strengths as well, not her worst. And I, I really like that because I tend to see the worst in people. Mm-hmm. Be, because, I don't know, as, as I said, because I grew up with not trusting anyone because I couldn't for yeah. a long time. And learning that you can, and that it, it's not necessary to put people in this, bad guy, good guy corner, that you can see things more, uh, what's the word, um, like the way that Lupin deals with Snape, I think is very respectful and very, very fair and so much better than many other people treat him. And I think you can learn so much from that. And when when Lupin deals with Harry and his trauma, I think he's really sensitive with that, and at the same time encouraging him to go to get past it, right? And I don't know. So like reading the books, he had this calm positivity about him, like just giving someone some chocolate and saying you feel better. This can have such a big amount of power, right? Uh, not just because chocolate is nice, but because it's just a nice gesture. Yeah. It has like all those little things. Like, not totally not putting himself in the middle of anything, not seeking the attention, not wanting to be the hero, just being supportive of everyone else and um, getting the best out of them. I think that is really amazing. I really, really like that. He was also always kind of there for Harry, even at times when, when Dumbledore was dealing with everything else but Harry. I think this is important. Not, not just believing in someone, but actually being there for someone. That's a difference. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, can I talk about the dimension? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's been, I think, just a few years. Uh, I think it's, I don't know, was it a modernist blog? I don't know. But for, for some, at some point I read that the Dementors were a metaphor for depression. I don't know where I got that from. But it makes a lot of sense, right? The Dementors just sneaking up on you and filling you with the feeling of hopelessness. hopelessness. Not just sadness, but hopelessness. Um, mm-hmm. Um, confronting you with your worst memories over and over again and you not being able to break out of that until it goes away. I think this is really important because it shows you, it it is fair to everyone having a depression. It doesn't suggest that you can just do something about it. It's really difficult to do something about it. And because they make it so hard. And one thing that I always wanted to know is how do you actually perform a Patronus? Mm-hmm. Because the description is pretty simple, but Lupin does admit that it is really difficult and really advanced and only few wizards and witches can do it, right? And the book never explains how do they get to perform the performance. 
I mean, all of them can at some point because Harry is helping them, but it never really explains how. And it's, it's very much, it revolves about this idea of the good memories that you have to think about. Then he first thinks about the first time he's been on a broomstick. And then Lupin says, well, that's not good enough. And then finding out he does it. There's something that is kind of close to your identity. And still, I always wondered, is that really good enough? I mean, is it really strong enough to fight a Dementor? She seems to suggest that it is. But when you are confronted with the Dementor, with the depression, you are so full of hopelessness. How can you get to a happy memory? And it seems to be about preparation. Like, it seems to be important for Harry to figure out his good memory before he confronts the Dementor. You have to deal with your depression because when you're completely sucked into it, it doesn't make sense to deal with it. But I think, still think it's really difficult and I've spent so many times thinking about it, but I cannot bring myself to find a memory that is good enough to fight a Dementor. Like, so good that I'm able to think about it when the depression is there and when I'm forced to think about my worst memories over and over again. I don't know how a memory can be strong enough that I can actually get to it in time before the depression hits or in in time when when it's there. Um, This is something that if if she ever really does write about like the 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 dementia part again. I don't know, maybe she will. She in the in the movie she seems to be like into into other creatures at the moment, but maybe she will get back to the dementors again. Then I would really like for her to get more into it. How how do you actually get to perform a patronus? When, especially when you are so damaged like Harry is. That seems to yeah. be real, right? The Dementors are attracted to him. Um, they are obviously attracted to me. He seems to still get out of it. He seems to be able to to think of a memory that is good enough. And I, I just don't think that he thinks about the same thing every time. I I, I just look, I don't know why, but I think if he, would, if he did that, we would hear about this memory more often. I wouldn't have to think about it and I wouldn't mix it up with the movies. If 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 it was so important, the memory itself, he would mention the memory more often, but he doesn't. It seems to be easy for him to attract a happy memory in that moment when he's facing the remembrance, right? And I, I just, I really want to know what, what does Rowling think? How do you do that? How do you get to it in that situation. This is something that's kind of, that I don't know, that I'm, I'm kind of stuck with this idea. This is, this is where the book didn't help me. (laughs) (laughs) It's like the same with therapy. At some point you're like, okay, I get it now, but what do I do about it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I just wish you would have known a little bit more than just happy memories. 
it's not good enough for me. Yeah, and I I believe it does change a little bit. Um, I believe it becomes um, there are times uh, maybe it's in the seventh book where he pictures Ron and Hermione um, and picturing his friends, and mm-hmm. I think it's some of it is the happiness that comes from you know the the connections that we can make. So connections that he made with Ron and Hermione, um, a connection that he made with the wizarding world initially um and building you know building connections with other people is a it's a good way to try and fight off depression Um, but that's it's hard when you know you you've kind of been set up to have trust issues with other people yeah yeah Um, but but i think you're right the book always comes down to the topic of love at the end right that's what everything always comes back to and i think yeah. i think you're right that's just, it's it's like the situations that he feels feels like love in in his heart like pure happiness yeah love for for the the society that he's now a part of the community that he's now a part of or his actual friends that he loves the most yeah Oh, it's something it takes us time to really learn how to do and yeah. uh, you get to uh, it's fun not fun necessarily but it's it's interesting and kind of beautiful how we get to walk with Harry over and over again and keep learning yeah. these lessons yeah it is and it changes every time and ever rereading the books or listening to them again I always focus on new things or discovering something new like the last time when I um, went through all of them again I was just in my um, I was just getting my teaching degree and I was focusing on all the teachers thinking about what I could relate to and what I what I want to be like, what kind of a teacher I want to be like, which one is a good one and which one isn't. And I actually I asked some of my students because some of my students are like this this new Potter generation who are very much into it. And then I could ask them, so who do you think is the best teacher at Hogwarts? <laughs> and so much into that. And oh my God, I could relate so much to Hagrid. Like <sighs> this is so close to the situation when you start out as a teacher because like you you think you are so smart and you are so much better than every other teacher before you that you think that you you're the only one who ever thought of bringing a hippogriff to class and then you bring out that hippogriff and you didn't put any kind of planning into it because you weren't able to think of the problem that would go along with it <laughs> and, and just all hell breaks loose because the students just are crazy sometimes and then you you don't know what happened afterwards and then you have to do it all over again and then probably some very similar situation as with the hippogriff comes up sooner or later <laughs> i felt so close to Hagrid when i started out teaching <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was so i just froze up and and also like i for some reason Whenever I talked to students, I came up to the situation where I was thinking, I should not have said that. I should not have said that. I could so relate to that. <laughs> like always, always telling them more that they should know. I'm, I'm, I'm so much like Hagrid in that way. I can never shut up. <laughs> oh I understand completely. 
Yeah, you uh, always find new things that you can relate to, and it's great. Yeah. And also, every time I feel like completely demotivated, Hermione, for some reason, gets me out of it again, right? Because it, it wasn't just like the um, the house of thing, it was also like she felt like she had to work harder than everyone else because she was muggle-born. And I, I felt, always felt like that a little bit as well because I always had to kind of keep my family a secret and everything going on because I didn't want that to be a disadvantage for me. Mm-hmm. So I always felt like working hard for school is the only thing that could get me out of it. and. Sometimes it was obviously too much when you were getting a little bit obsessive about that. I mean, I was I was so close to to thinking that a time turner would be a good idea. That <laughs> 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 um, I don't know. At some point it was just too much. Um, and but then you get into this like hole and you have to get out of it again. And Hermione always like kind of did get me out of it again because she didn't only do it because she wanted to work harder than everyone else but also because she actually loved it and sometimes I don't know sometimes in all this obsession of escape I I kind of lost the fun in it and for some reason reading about her and her curiosity it helped me also helped me to really get myself together again every now and then and try to not to 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 not spoil the fun by getting obsessive about just being as, as I don't know as ambitious as possible mm-hmm. it's I love how the characters can be a, a mirror and then you see you know like you said that the part of you that's uh, losing the fun of it and then just having curiosity sparked again you know just seeing these characters can do that it's just so powerful yeah 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 I could also like she, she she's studying muggles in Hogwarts it doesn't make sense at all and I can totally relate to that there was a time in school when I thought I had to do everything even though even if it doesn't make sense at all <laughs> <laughs> This is also something that this is why I mentioned the time turner because there was this time when I thought that I actually had to do everything that is possible to get myself the best chances at every possible outcome, right? And yeah, also sometimes helped me to to get out of these phases because it showed that I mean you can still be you you can still be good to go if you dive back a little bit. Right. We're coming toward the end of our time here, so yeah. I'm just wondering if you have any final words of wisdom or advice or anything else that you want to share with us. I just, I really want, I want every kid in the world to have the possibility to read Harry Potter because I really do believe that it does make you a better person and it does help you to get through any kind of dis- difficult stuff and the you know just the well-schmerz feelings that you have in that age it's it's really important to 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 at least have access to Harry Potter and trying to read it if they don't like it it's fine but if they need it 
I think they will like it. Yeah, it's important mm. too. I want every kid to 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 at least get close to Harry Potter. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, because it can save you. It can be a savior. Well, Jacqueline, thank you so much for that, and thank you for sharing so much of yourself and your story. Um, it's so powerful to share. You know, such a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Such an important part of yourself that's hard mm-hmm. to talk about sometimes. It, it means a lot to me that you're, you know, willing to speak up. And I uh, just thank you so much for being here. No, but thank you for giving me the possibility to speak because this is something that I actually have been wanting to share for a long time because I, I think people don't understand how powerful Harry Potter can really be. I hope you all enjoyed my interview with Jacqueline. Jacqueline, thank you for being on the show. We all have stories, but some are more difficult to share than others. In today's Whisper segment, Potterhead2610 tells us about their experience with finding courage. I realized I actually had some traits from the house I would least prefer to be sorted into at Hogwarts, Gryffindor. It took me years to realize this. Recently, the thing that I'd encountered was beyond my worst dreams. I was possibly going through the worst phase of my life. I hadn't known depression. I just was in bed, crying for hours. But then... The team of the Beyond the Veil podcast helped me a lot. I got the courage to fight back. And that courage made all the difference in my life. I was a Gryffindor all along. Thank you for your whisper, Potterhead2610. And thank you all for listening to this episode. If you liked it, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes that helps us get the show out to more people. We are always looking for new guests on the show. If you'd like to share your story, please visit our website and fill out our submission form. If you'd like to share your story as a whisper, you can do that on our website as well. If you choose to share your story as a whisper, you have the option to do so anonymously. Again, Thank you all for listening, and I hope that you have a wonderful week and a wonderful Halloween if you celebrate it. Join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care.